0: Until almost exterminated by humans a few centuries ago, wolves and cat-like predators such as lynx ranged all over the northern forests, preying upon the herbivores. In Europe and Canada, wolves followed reindeer herds, killing by chasing the prey to exhaustion. The very young, the old, the sick and any others that could not keep up with the herds often fell prey. Norwegian reindeer have long heads, with the eyes far back, enabling them to spot intruders even when grazing in deep snow holes. Herding provides some protection from predation, particularly for the young. But there are snags. The available grazing is soon exhausted by so many hungry mouths and disease and parasites are easily transmitted. These grubs are the larvae of the warble fly. The fly lays eggs on the reindeer's skin. They hatch into larvae which burrow through the skin. When the reindeer live close together in herds, parasites are easily transmitted from host to host. Rangifer is the only genus of deer in which females, as well as males, have antlers. Those of big, old males grow larger and are more elaborate, reaching maximum size in the mating season, when they are important for display and fighting. Like the peacock's tail, antlers are a high-cost feature in an evolutionary sense. Females rarely fight, but they challenge each other for access to grazing. The one with the largest antlers usually wins. In all deer except reindeer, the fur of newborn calves is mottled and camouflages them as they lie hidden in undergrowth. Reindeer camouflage is more adapted to deceiving the predator's eye in winter, where there's nowhere to hide. The calves are born in late spring. They can stand within an hour of birth, and at one day old, they can run as fast as a person. One population of reindeer has adapted to even harsher conditions, and is the only large terrestrial mammal to spend its entire life cycle above 75 degrees latitude. Sometime during the last 40,000 years, some reindeer, probably from northern Greenland or Canada, colonised Falbad. The climate must have already been warm enough for there to be enough food to sustain them. Due to the influence of warm ocean currents, the vegetation is quite different here than in the continental areas of similar latitude. Despite a growing season of only 6 to 10 weeks a year, a wide variety of plants flourish. For example, Dryas octopetala, with its tiny leaves. The Arctic bell-heather, Cassiopeia tetragona. The Svalbard poppy, Papaver dalianum. And a plant parasitic on the roots of others, Pedicularis species, a member of the figwort family. These examples are just four of the 164 vascular plant species found on Svalbard. This Landsat image shows the extent of permanent ice and snow cover on Svalbard. But on lowlands near the coast, the snow melts and plants can grow and flower from late June to early October. However, the soil is subject to erosion from melting snow. So even in July, vegetation is sparse except in bogs. Many seabirds, like these little orcs, nest on cliffs around the islands, bringing nutrients in their excreta. Nutrients from the sea, deposited on the uplands are washed down to the valleys when the snow melts. So soil around long-established seabird colonies is greatly enriched supporting lush, green vegetation. This shows that it is the poor soil, more than the intense cold or lack of light, that limits plant growth. In summer, Svalbard reindeer spend most of the time foraging. They take many small bites of the tough plants. Their digestion is even more efficient than that of the mainland reindeer. Apart from each other, the reindeer have few competitors. Very few other kinds of animals have reached these islands and adapted successfully to the Arctic conditions. There are no large terrestrial predators on Svalbard. Without any natural predators, the reindeer live singly, or in small groups, not in large herds. Consequently, they have very few parasites, certainly no warble flies. The reindeer don't exhaust the food supply so quickly and they don't migrate. Individuals stay in the same area for months at a time. On average, Svalbard reindeer live longer than mainland reindeer. However, this elderly male is getting pretty thin now and he may not survive until the summer. Starvation, not predation, is the main cause of death here. What they eat depends upon the snow cover. The reindeer can most easily reach the plants on ridges where the wind has blown most of the snow away. So it's shallow enough for them to dig through. And what do they find? Often, nothing. Or if they're lucky, some tiny desiccated dryass leaves. But just look how small a mouthful of green leaves would be. No wonder Svalbard reindeer have to spend most of the time eating. The main difference between Norwegian reindeer and the Svalbard subspecies is that the former feed on lichens in the wintertime, while here the reindeer are adapted to digest vascular plants of very poor quality. Their guts are relatively large, and contain different populations of microorganisms that can digest this diet. Norwegian reindeer would starve to death if fed only on this poor quality forage because they couldn't digest it. At the end of the winter, food is difficult to obtain on Svalbard. Periods of thaw and refreezing form layers of hard ice between the wind blown snow. Digging down to the frozen plants becomes increasingly hard work and, eventually, impossible. Ironically, a warm winter means snow melting and icing over the feeding grounds. It can cause severe hardship. The only hope is to wait for the spring melt. Fortunately, the Svalbard reindeer are adapted to cope with this climate. 25% or more of the body mass can be adipose tissue, a tissue that stores energy-rich fat and releases it as required. Svalbard reindeer fatten during the summer and early winter, then deplete their reserves when food becomes scarce or inaccessible. Females usually fatten more than the males, and become very fat when food is plentiful. Most of the females are pregnant during the winter and they need to sustain their growing foetus as well as themselves. Under such conditions, the fat reserves may not be enough and some old animals and yearling calves may die towards the end of the winter. The pregnant females may reabsorb their foetus rather than give birth to a calf that is unlikely to survive. Food is also scarce at the end of the winter for mainland reindeer. Becoming fat in the autumn would probably be adaptive for them too. But the need to run far and fast to escape from the wolves may be what keeps them slim. They also need longer legs to dig through the deeper, more powdery snow on the mainland. Note how lean the mainland reindeer is in comparison. For Svalbard reindeer, the requirement to fatten up for the polar winter explains their anatomy too. In comparison with the mainland forms, they have squat bodies and relatively short legs. Even when alarmed, they run only about 100 meters and their gallop is slow and inefficient. Clearly, this would be ineffective against serious predators. Occasionally some animals, particularly young, inexperienced males, exhibit a curious behaviour when disturbed. This stotting behaviour may persuade predators to pursue a smaller, weaker member of the herd. Since there are no predators, it would not be much use on Svalbard. But it probably doesn't do much harm either and has not yet been eliminated from the behavioural repertoire.